Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestoninzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. The world of selling has changed, and it's continuing to change each and every day. But what hasn't changed in sales is the fundamental of selling. And you've heard me talk about this time and time again. The fundamentals of sales are still the same, but the way in which we engage with our buyers have changed. Think about the platforms, the way that you can interact with them in real time. And this week, what's awesome about this particular episode, we're joined by the host of the Revenue Architect podcast, Jeff Ignacio. And Jeff is a real sales practitioner. He sits behind the sales professionals, and creates the process, creates a technology that allows sales pros to move more sales through the funnel to that point of decision. And we're going to talk about what's required from a revenue operations perspective to drive more buyers through to that point of decision. Now, why is this a great episode? Because as sales professionals, we need to know more. We need to have a deeper understanding of what's happening behind the conversation. We now have so many pieces of tech that we need to use to get a person to that point of decision. Back in the day, it was actually really easy. You had a phone, door, you'd go knocking, you'd have a Rolodex, a couple of cards. You might have to fill out a sheet every now and then. Now there's so much more. We can hear our calls. We can track the sequences, engagement platforms, CRM, LinkedIn Sales Navigator. There are so many tools that we need to use each and every day to still do what was done before. However, the challenge that presents us is that we've got more distractions as sales pros. And actually, the data shows us that most sellers are spending 25 to 30% of their time actually selling. This episode is brought to you by Vidyard, Vidyard, the online video tool for sales professionals. Vidyard makes it easy for sales teams to turn text-based emails into personal video messages and will help you engage with your prospects and create an incredible buying experience for them, which will ultimately help you reach your pipeline and revenue goals. So do yourself a favor, get to vidyard.com, sign up and start using video in your sales process. So this episode is going to be awesome for sellers to think a bit, bit deeper when it comes to the sales process. And Jeff will shine an incredible light. He comes with an incredible amount of expertise in helping sales teams, helping businesses really scale that revenue engine. All right, so welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, Luigi. Thanks for having me on, as always. Appreciate (laughs) the time to connect with you. Mate, I'm pretty excited to talk um, all things sales, buying, um, not just to talk about from a sales perspective, but also flipping it and thinking about it from a buyer's perspective. But before we get into today's episode, would love to learn a bit more about you, mate, and how you started in the world of sales. So first things first, um, I'll, I'll talk about you know where I am today and then how I got here. So I'm the head of revenue operations at a company called Upkeep. We sell to maintenance and reliability professionals and mobile and desktop application. At that company, um, I focus on supporting the strategy and execution for marketing, 
sales and customer success. It's really the entire customer journey. Now, how I ended up in the world of revenue really is, you know, when I was a teenager, my very first job was a Cutco sales rep, actually. I saw a flyer at the local high school and it said, hey, would you like to get a summer job, make a little bit of extra money? And so, absolutely. I think it was going to pay more than what my weekly allowance was for my parents and thought <laughs> it would be a really cool uh, summer thing to do. So, um, had my parents drive me out to uh, some, you know, little podunk office out in Riverside, California, um, receive sales training um, every week for about an hour for 12 consecutive weeks and literally went out and just started picking on like, you know, a warm list of friends and family and then started to attempt to try to do cold calling after that and door to door. And then um, my first jobs after college, I was actually a technologist in technology consulting. And then I moved into sales myself, uh, first in commercial real estate, where I didn't do so well, to be to be frank. And then I moved into the world of technical recruiting and headhunting, where I was able to do not just recruit candidates, but also um, bring on businesses as potential clients. So um, that's where I learned the, the value of relationship selling and relationship building. Yeah. Um, and then I moved on to, you know, moved to graduate school and from there worked in the world of tech in a variety of capacities from finance and now into operations. Yeah. Well, that's a, it's interesting, right? Because I speak to so many people and you often say, like, how did you get into the world of selling? And it's it's not something that people go, oh, yeah, you know, when I was at school, I, I knew I wanted to be a, a sales pro. <laughs> it's always <laughs> that, oh, it was a stopgap or, but would love to understand because um, now you, as you indicated in your current role, you kind of look after that whole buyer's journey um, from you know top of the funnel right through to customer success. Um, when did you make the change from kind of seller to that macro um, that macro role of actually making the engine operate in a way that can scale? I think folks forget that, and you know, today today we have fragmented sales roles, right? Where mm-hmm. front of the funnel is split with an SDR, and then you have these reps who are sort of looking for their calendars to get filled, and then perform demos and discovery calls. But I think you lose something in that, right? When you're a full cycle yeah. rep, you're you're you you are your own marketing department. You are your own. Uh, you're building up awareness. You're building trust and relationships. And so in order to do that well, uh, particularly in my recruiting roles, um, you know, you often had a lot of conversations on your calendar that didn't really lead to any mm-hmm. specific deals at that moment in time. You were really just getting a pulse on the market and developing that candor and that relationships. And so when you're thinking about when you're dialing for dollars, as I've always been told, um, you know, have a process, really set up your day in the evening, set up your next day in the morning, review your task, prioritize them, go through them and really start cutting out the fluff. Those are some really important things. And you learned that early on as a seller that in order to succeed, you need to have a playbook that that's repeatable and that can be consistent for you. And then from there, you hopefully you add on and remove things that are not working. And in my role, that's really not that much different. Um, you know, I'm working at much larger scale, obviously, with you know dozens of people as opposed to just myself. But at the end of the day, when when you're a rep and you're building out your your book of business, as I've always been, as I've, we've always mm. called it, you're building out the old phrase, your Rolodex, your book of business. Yeah. Um, it's really no different from what revenue operations today. It's just the scale is a little bit different. Yeah. So, and this is really interesting, right? Because I think. Jeff, in my career, 
there was a key point where I elevated my role when I looked, I looked beyond the sales process from a seller, you know, and, and, um, and, and what do I mean by that? It's, there was a time where all I did was I sold, right? And I looked at things from my own perspective. It was, this is what I need to achieve. And the minute that I started to think macro, I started to look outside of, you know, from, from a lens of selling and move outside and actually think about things from a marketing perspective, think about things from a buyer's perspective, think about things from a delivery perspective. I found that I had a, had a, a new lease of life um, from a selling perspective. Um, what are some of the things that you see because you get the opportunity to really look top down when often sellers are stuck in that, in that zone of selling, what are some of the things that you see high performers do that enable them to be a high performing sales pro? So, so a couple of interesting things there, let's use an analogy, right? If you're looking at the spectrum of um, light, there's visible light and there's invisible light on different ends of the spectrum. If you're looking at things from the pure lens of sales and what am I going to do? What am I going to do today that's going to move this deal forward? You're only really looking at a small piece of the entire wavelength because before they yeah. came to you, they recognize the prospect recognized they had an issue. They mm -hmm. wanted to figure out what were their potential options. Should I do nothing? Stand pat? Should I evaluate vendors? Should you be one of those vendors? And if so, you know, how should we go down that rabbit hole? And then once they purchase your product or service, how do they make sure that they one, it meets their, um, that is strategically relevant to them, that is tactically um, urgent. And then three, there's a time or rapidity to pay back, you know, their return on mm -hmm. investment. So um, all those things, if you're a seller and that's all you're thinking about is, you know, let me have my Excel calculator out and how, how much commission I'm going to make today. Uh, you're really losing out on the big picture. Yeah. So let's break down a couple of things that I see that are really critical. Uh, one, a sales rep that has a prioritization of how they're going to use their time. So folks that break out time blocks around what is going to be my preparation or my recap time or how I'm going to follow up uh, before every single call, they make sure they try to take time to research. Um, yeah. That works particularly well um, as you move up market to an enterprise sale. There's a lot more publicly available information for your more transactional high velocity motions you're yeah. obviously you're obviously using um you know different tools in order to accomplish the same task which is trying to find ways to connect with the buyer and also get into their world and figuring out their you know personal alignment and also their business alignment right because they have different personas Pe folks mm -hmm. are on a personal basis and then folks have their business personas um in the old days i've always been told Let's scan the room, look for something that you can talk about yep. and then talk about that. And that's how you're going to get in. And it seems like a, you know, the 1980s, 1990s <laughs> boiler room kind of you know, method of selling. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but we still do it today. Um, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. They connect with you on a personal level. Some mm -hmm. buyers still buy because they like the seller more than anything. Yeah. So that's, that's the first thing is prioritization and creating tasks. The second thing is having a game plan. Um, and there's like four different layers of what I call management. There's account management, there's opportunity management, mm. call management, 
and territory management. And they're very different. And, and if you're a frontline seller, you definitely want to have call management. And that's going to be your pre-call preparation. And that could be in the form of a scorecard or a prep. Uh, it could be a uh, your in-call um, checklist. You have your mental checklist that you're going through, your automatic plays. But sometimes you get stuck. It's always good to maybe pull out a card, especially if you're an inside seller and you're not facing face-to-face. Although today it feels like everyone's meeting face-to-face with mm-hmm. Zoom all these video conferencing software, but, and then afterwards you have your recaps, right? So, yep. um, you know, it's not, it's not a transcription, you know, it's not a transcription activity. It's to really synthesize and summarize exactly what they're looking for and then apply that to any way that you can help move the prospect forward to making a key decision. And then there's activity, uh, then there's activity manage, uh, account management. Um, that's really looking at your patch of accounts yep. and looking at who are the profiles of folks in those accounts. So you, if you have tools like Zoom Info or any of these contact management tools, you'll want to figure out who is the technical, who are the technical evaluators, who are the economic buyers or the folks with power or authority, however, whatever language you're using. And then you're also going to find Folks in procurement or skeptics, you know, whether they're in IT or finance, and you know, they're not the roadblocks. They're they're there to provide rigor yep. and to make the very best decision for for uh, for their banner and for their company, uh, and that's helpful to understand. Um, so, with account planning, you know, there's only if you have a patch of 200 accounts in your territory, you're not going to build an account plan for all of them. Yep. So, typically, folks will go through some sort of filtering exercise, like. Let me create A's, B's, and C's. A's are my very top priority where I'm going to prospect myself. And my goal is to get into four or five of those each month over the next coming months. My B's, I'm going to have a lower touch uh, approach, but play the percentages. I'm likely to generate a little bit of interest from some of these, some of some of the bait lures that I throw out there. And then my C accounts, if I can get to them, I will get to them. It's no different from what I do in operations with, pro, uh, with project management. Mm. You're looking at which tasks are priorities, what are the dependencies, uh, which program should I be running today. So I think account management, call management, super important. Then there's your opportunity management. How many deals are in flight and in what stage? Yep. And if I know my numbers and I'm working with revenue operations, I know how many opportunities I need to have each week or each month and in what state they need to be in. And if they're going off track, what are the signals to indicate that they're going off track? So for example, if an opportunity is a month old and you, they ha- you don't have an inbound email for 28 days, I consider that opportunity dead, mm. right? So, so those are the three things. Um, so prioritization and then having your management account plan. And I know I've talked a lot here, but there's probably a couple other, other traits. <laughs> um, um, um. I've actually like, I'm taking some good notes here, right? Because I, I like the way in which you've broken it down because I think you're right. I think what's happened in the last 12 months, there's been a shift. Like we go, we're not meeting face to face, but I'm having more meetings than ever before face to face because everybody wants to do a Zoom call. Even even that initial like, you know, meeting booked call is a, is a, is a, is a, is a face to face call now, right? But I actually like the way that you've broken it down. And I think what you've done here, because for every, for every seller, when you think, you know, my question was around high performing, that's really strategically breaking things down, going, who are my accounts? What do they look like? The opportunities, you know, the calls and the actual territory. What I want to ask you, out of all these things, and you've highlighted some key things here, right? I just love the fact that you've identified from an opportunity management perspective that an opportunity might have gone cold um, if they haven't engaged with us. 
But out of those sort of four things that you've identified, where do you find sellers need the most improvement? Ooh, without any data backing this up, let's just let's just spitball here. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I know you're a data guy, but I think, you know, this is key because I think for a lot of the people that I work with, um, and this is just my view on it, right? I'm going to put words in your mouth, but I find that the data is still a gap that sales professionals have where they're not using the data to enable them to make better informed decisions, especially when it comes to opportunity mm-hmm. management. I think that's a big gap, right? And you look at their forecast and then their um, – percentage of deals that close based on forecast, right? It's it's usually off, <laughs> significantly off, right? So they're telling me there's an issue there, but well, what, let's do you, what do you think? A little bit. Those four key areas that I've outlined, three of them particularly for frontline sellers, account, opportunity, and call management, those are just mm. tools. Those are processes at the end of the day, right? They're, if mm. you use them, they can become good practices and with practice and with time and with success and failure, they'll become best practices. So those are just tools. And believe it or not, yep. a lot of folks don't use the tools that are at their disposal. And I didn't talk about software at all there. And typically with revenue operations folks like myself, mm. we're always talking about software, but these are really just processes. Yep. Let me go through my call, call management mm. checklist. Let me go through my account management every month or every quarter, especially if you're in a longer uh, cycle for your commissions. Mm. Now then for my opportunities, that's something you should be doing every single week and calibrating at the beginning of your week and the end of your week with your managers. And maybe if you have any mentors, make sure that you're not just clipping off the long tail, the, the end of your pipeline, and then you, for, you neglect the top of your funnel as well. You wanna have a balance between the two. And that's why it's so difficult to be a seller. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there's the, there's the level of adoption around systems and data. Now you talk about the increasing, um, not, not necessarily, but folks are spending more and more on enterprise software, sales software today that are, that are, these are folks are driving around with, uh, sitting on a nuclear bomb now with these technologies, right? You look at when I was a high school seller, I had my, my dial, my Cell phone. I still, not. I actually had a mobile phone back then. So a mobile phone and a and a uh, Microsoft uh, Excel uh, spreadsheet with names, and that was it. And a and a phone book when I ran out of yep. warm and friendly to talk to. I had to like just start dialing down to A's. Yeah. So talk about you know where folks knock down is. I think there's so much information and so many processes and so many systems that you can get to this point where you feel a little overwhelmed. But if you were to say, okay, let me just get through these four or three areas and then let me use the technologies that are at my disposal to help aid me like win behind my sales. I think sellers can be much more successful if they, if they do those things. You know, it's, it's such a great discussion thread, right? Because you're absolutely right. I, I, I was fortunate to start in the world of telemarketing or what we called it back in the day. And we just had a list and we had a phone and we had a pen, right? And it was just dial, dial, dial. And then I did door knocking and I did a few other roles. But I think today when you look at the tech stack that salespeople get, have access to, um, Zoom info, you know, chorus, like they can listen to calls, they can see if they talk too much, they can look at filler words, like they're over, they've, got so, they've got an abundance of tools that can enable them to be the best they can be. But the things that you've spoken about before, like, you know, the call model um, 
some of the softer skill stuff, I think is a bit of a gap, right? Because, you know, these were some of the fundamentals, what I call sales fundamentals that we need to be bringing to the, to the, to the, to the, um, to the equation. Do you think that the fragmenting or the breaking down of the sales role has impacted sellers today to be that, you know, the best they can be? Because when we think about it, we've got the SDR, we've got the BDR, we've got the AE. Um, you spoke about research before. You spoke about the fact that enterprise accounts, I mean, they require time. You should be, you know, preparing for those calls. Do you think that impact, and I think um, I've got the book here, actually, the, the SAS playbook, um, the blueprint for SAS organizations. But um, do you think that's impacted sellers' ability to actually execute uh, well, so the introduction of prospecting at, in the role of a sales development rep or a business development, however you want to call it, ADR, blank DR, yeah. those those roles are <laughs> important in certain industries, right? Um, it is a it is a potentially great um, volume expander at the top of the funnel, and with that trade off, it's uh, because you think about it, are these outbound marketing tools and these inbound marketing um, software, these marketing automation platforms allow you to increase the amount at the top of the funnel. And so what ends up happening mm. is there is a choice that businesses have to make, which is how do we filter and segment these um, the, these prospects? And we don't do it just for the sake of doing it. We do it because at some point you run into selling capacity issues. So should every seller take every single yeah. lead as they come in? That's a question that someone needs to, to focus on. Second, if we collect minimal information at the form level, um, how do we enrich that lead to have all the specific pieces of information to determine that it's ICP? And then you need to know where that prospect is in their mental journey. Are they just becoming aware of you? Are they seriously in consideration? Are they moving towards mm -hmm. high intent? What are those signals to allow you to then uh, get this prospect in the right mind. So if you talk about seller's impact, I would like to talk about the buyer's impact, right? What, what What's happened to the customer from all of this? Mm. One, they go into a website, they're asked to do a, a demo or a product tour or whatever you want to call it. That might be too strong of a call to action. They might just still be kicking tires. But then we talk, then they talk to, yeah. uh, say, an SDR. The SDR does their job. They're their job is a very narrow spectra piece of the spectra, which is let me schedule a meeting with potentially some minimal qualification criteria and throw that over the fence to the AE. Then the AE gets the note. They may not even read their notes properly. And so then they're asking the questions again. And so that whole experience, we've turned sales into the customer phone tree experience when you're trying to get customer support. And that is yeah. a very disjointed experience and, and ultimately disappointing. And so where we've gone is from individual selling to individual selling with tons of tools and we've expanded the funnel. And now we had a problem, which is too much, actually a good problem, too much volume. Then you have filtering and sorting to get through mm. uh, because now we've, we've applied these analytics and we know technically what works from a numbers perspective. And then you have this fragmentation of selling. And today it's fragmented selling, but it really is team selling. And end of the day, team selling is, a, yeah. you know, it's a sport that is difficult to, to, to be excellent at. And for the companies that do it well, I applaud them. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. Like when you think about that, we were looking at, we were having this conversation about, okay, you know, the SDR, the AE, the role, the things that enable us to be successful. And in all of that, 
the key thing that enables us to be successful is the buying journey, <laughs> right? Um, and I speak a lot, you know, one of the things that I like to talk about is um, great selling and sales enablement and all those fun words that we use. For me, it's about unlocking an incredible buying experience. And if we can create that incredible buying experience, it enables us to help sellers arrive at that point of decision so they can choose us, right? Um, so you're listening to this episode thinking, you know what, you've hit a few things. My boss, we've got an SDR team or a BDR team. I'm taking leads here. What can I do or where, what can I do to help influence that buyer's journey in a positive way so that the buyer doesn't feel like they're moving through different stage? Because we've all been there, right? We've all rang that number that one three hundred number when we needed help, and we just kept getting passed on from person to person, and it can create so much frustration. But obviously, there's, you know, sellers can't control the go-to-market strategy that their organisations put out there. But what can they do to influence that process? I think there's a couple of things, right? So if you think about the concept of team selling, it's almost like a team sport. So before you roll out five folks to go onto the basketball court and play, you typically have a prep session. You typically practice, you figure out what your yeah. game plan for the day is. When we go through enablement, you actually find SDRs training within themselves to hone their SDR, quote unquote, SDR skills. And then you have AEs trained separately mm. again in a separate room. To And then you ask them to go onto the court to then pass the ball. And then the AE is going to shoot the ball. Why don't you have a practice where you have the folks passing the ball in one motion to the AE who then shoots the ball on the basketball court? If you talk about enablement, I don't think we do enough team training where we go through a role play of what it means mm. to go through the SDR call, write down the notes. Maybe you do a hot transfer right then and there to the next available account executive. Yeah. Then you do your you know, passing of the baton, like a four by four relay. The AE gets really caught up to speed. And then the AE does their intro and potentially in the background in Slack or whatever you're doing, you're sending off some key notes that are not mentioned in that recap. Or if you're if you have a different motion where you split it up and you set a meeting that same day or the next day, um, you want to make sure that now you introduce some other intermediary steps. One, how do I make sure that this person is now going to show up to the mm. second meeting that I've now asked them to? Well, you have to have something to, uh, to offer them. Make that first touch very compelling. Maybe even drop a piece of content to them and email the second day, and then send them reminders. Hey, really looking yep. forward to you talking tomorrow. Then five minutes before the meeting, you send them an SMS with a little bit something more colloquial, like, "Hey, really had a great chat tomorrow, uh, t- yep. yesterday. Hopefully, um, you know, hope you have a great session today." The AE does the prep, reads through the notes, goes through the content, and uses that as as leverage in the meeting. Right. So now you're creating a level playing field with your prospect. Um, so what can sellers do? Um, I don't think you should be passengers. I think you should be drivers, and you can be drivers in a couple of ways. One, you can propose new methods of how to, you know, how to break out, how to change, you know, your your system is designed to produce the results that you're getting. And so if you want to be better, why don't you have a suggestion box or drive new process or experiment and say, hey, I'd like to try something new today with my manager. Or, hey, do you mind if I work with a, a crop of these SDRs and we do a, a, a pod approach, two sellers, two SDRs, come up with something new. Um, you know, you don't always have to, just do um, what the playbook says because the playbook is a guide and I'll be guilty of this. You know, we're writing yeah. our playbook at, at my own company. Um, but at the end of the day, 
you know, it works because that, that playbook is a composite of all of the best practices from your team, but yeah. chimes change, buyers change. And so your playbook has therefore change as well. And mm-hmm. so when you're looking to make suggestions, it may very well be that it is time to refresh that content. You know, that's awesome. I'm actually, I, I took notes of that, you know, don't be the passenger, be the driver. And you're absolutely right. I think, because I'm a big fan of playbooks. I mean, we've had this chat before, Jeff, and you know how passionate I am about developing fit-to-purpose playbooks. But I'm also, a, I'm also a massive fan of sales professionals taking ownership of the enablement tools available to them and making them their own and enhancing them. Um, and so I really, really enjoyed, you know, what you actually just said there, because for me, that's been the, the, the takeaway. Don't be a passenger. You've got an opportunity to be the driver. And you're right. Sellers are on the front line. They're talking to their prospects every single day. They can have such an influence on the decisions organizations, their organizations making about the product, about the delivery, like this, they've got real life, live Intel, which is amazing. Mate, before we kind of, um, obviously coming to it to the end, but when I ask most guests this, and I've stopped asking, but I want to ask this because I think you're, you're in that unique role. Um, is sales an art or a science? Oh man, you're totally talking to the guy that thinks it's, it's <laughs> left of center towards the science, in my opinion. Now, if you were to run sales through, uh, if you were, if I were to roll out a robot, and that robot ran the playbook perfectly. Um, I guarantee you that robot would be the worst performing sales rep on the team. Now, if you had an artist of of a rep who's just going out and clearly thinking of new creative content, they're never going to fill the balance of volume that they're going to need and they're going to get lost along the way. So in between is, I think, the right balance and mix. And I think it depends on the market and the sellers. You know, if it's scientific and it's a highly competitive market, I think differentiating yourself and your approach, it's almost creating a different brand of your approach uh, can make you stand out. Um, If you're just just solving product market fit uh, and you've just figured out your messaging, then I do think just just go out and and, 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 and hit hit the science side of it um, for the most part. Um, So I think it gives and takes. And I think the new CROs or VPs of sales, wherever there's in the seat of leading the sales organization is going to find the right mantra. Um, but I often think it's more science than art, but not a hundred to zero. Yeah. Well, mate, that's a, I like it. I, I mean, I love it because obviously you're sitting in that zone of looking at data all the time and looking at how to improve, you know, the CPLs to the cost per acquisition, etc. So, but mate, this has been, this has been awesome. And, um, you know, I want to, Thank you for coming on the podcast. But before we wrap up, um, obviously, you know, you've got some, you've got a podcast starting soon to the Revenue Architect podcast, which we're really excited about. So we'll make sure that we put some information in the show notes where people can find that. But apart from that, where, what else, um, where can people connect with you and find more about you? Sure. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Jeff Ignacio, as well as reading my blog. I have a, a, a Substack. <laughs> um revengine.substack.com and for those who are in a couple of micro communities you can find me at uh, revenue collective rev genius and wizard of ops all right awesome and we'll make sure all those um all those places are available in our show notes and again um we'll make sure that the link for the revenue architect podcast is out there because you're i've had the pleasure of listening to some of those episodes mate and they are quality episodes so just want to say thanks for the contribution you make you're very active 
in the community in helping sellers be the best they can be. So thanks for everything you do, Jeff. Um, and thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Thanks, Louis. Much appreciated.